Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Benson, corporate merchant, turned boutique owner, turned consultant. I want you to start, grow, and scale your boutique business right here with me. If you're ready to master your mindset, margins, and marketing, you're in the right place. I am so excited to have Arianne on the podcast today because the two of us text for like a straight hour when it just starts off as like, hey, this is what's up. And anytime we get on the phone, it's a minimum two hour phone call, even more like it'll just be like 40 minutes or something. So I'm excited to have her on the podcast because we always have a lot to talk about and it'll be fun to let you guys in on the conversation. So without further ado, Ariane, welcome back to the Booster Boutique podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. I love getting to chat with you anytime. <laughs> well, and we were just saying that you're an avid podcast listener and I was laughing about, I feel like you guys need to message me. Where's the funniest place you listen to me? Cause Arian said I went on a walk with her. Someone the other day was like, I listened to you in the shower. And then I have all these people being like, my kids know you. And I'm like, what? Yes, you're a celebrity in our house. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I'm like, I'm just a normal girl who watches the Downton Abbey movie on a Sunday night and eats Chinese food. Like what? Yeah, um, so awesome. I love it. I love when Max used to ask you, oh, can Emily see me through the screen when I was doing Facebook Live? Yes. Could she see me? Can I say hi? So cute. I love him. Lily carries your book around. I love her. I love your kids. They're just so Thank sweet. You. And they're just such a reflection of you too. I feel like one of the things that I'm so happy you're a part of the business is being one of our coaches. You and Andrea are now full on, you guys are my team. I feel like one of the things you always bring to the table is just like a sense of joy and a sense of also knowing. I always love hanging out and talking with you because you just know your stuff. And I think that to me is so important in any relationship, but especially a business one. You're always like, Emily, what would you do? And then I'm like, no, but what would you do? Because you're just as smart as I am. No, I think we're a good balance because I think that's why it works so well as we've known each other for a long time. We've seen each other in action on the corporate level and on the boutique level. And then it's almost like, I do think about what would Emily think about or what would Emily say? And then I love bouncing ideas off of you because I think we have these, we both have great ideas and where they can sometimes just kind of run parallel to one another and then they meet, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I love that. And I love, and that's why I think I love coaching with you so much because we have different perspectives. And I think that's important. And I think, again, those ideas come together and they become this one amazing idea. Yeah, I agree. I always like to say, we'll give you my best ideas, but I don't know what's right for your business. I don't know what's right for you. And I think you're in that same boat where you, both of us have had so much experience in retail, corporate, in-store, the whole bit that there actually is a lot of things that could work in someone's business, right? But it's just, well, what's going to be fun for you or what's going to work for your customer? Or it's, there's just no one hard, fast rule for anything in retail. I think that's why I like it so much. Would you say the same? That's why I love retail so much. I think that's why I've been in it for, I just figured out last night, 23 years. Oh my Uh, God. (laughs) And because it's never the same. Yeah, Uh, And it's always changing. And that's how I am and always evolving. And that's how your business grows. 
and even on the corporate level and on the boutique level. That's how your business grows is that you keep mixing it up and changing. And I think that's why we love it because there is no hard set rule. And I wanted to backtrack for a second. So like when we're talking to the people that are in the groups or in the courses, it's easy for me to say, this is, these are the three things that maybe you should do, or you can apply them to your business. But it's hard to say that when I don't look at your business. I don't know what your numbers are. It's easy for me to know, okay, these are the ideas I have for my business, but I know my numbers with my eyes closed. (laughs) So that's kind of hard too. But I think there's always, there's never one answer. And I think there's always multiple answers. And I think it's a great way, especially on the boutique level, you can try them all. (laughs) Yes. That is the biggest thing that I loved about having a boutique. One of my biggest frustrations working in corporate, because So you were at Henry Bendel your whole career, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I was at Abercrombie and Fitch in corporate before I came to Bendel's. And when I was at Bendel's, I even worked on Victoria's Secret stuff. Right. Well, Victoria's Secret had like multiple layers because we did do some projects for pink. Like we did dorm. Do you remember this? We did dorm collection. Totally. As soon as you said I did multiple projects, I'm like, yeah, dorm collection. The dorm collection. It was so fun though. That was one of my favorite projects. Also the designer, Isaiah, I worked on with that project. He's like the, he was one of the most fun designers. So fun. He He would, oh my God. He would literally be like, Emily, let's go out to lunch. (laughs) And he would take me to Grand Central Station. And there's this little oyster bar in the downstairs back. Right. And we would literally get like wine and oysters (laughs) on like Tuesday at lunch. And I'd be like, Isaiah, we got to go back to the, I was so anxious. I was like 27. I'd be like, we got to go back. And he'd be like. I'm like, he had just like been so hardened by the fashion. <laughs> so he was like, probably my dad, not my dad's age, but like a cool uncle. Right. And be like, I'm like, it's all good. It's fine. We're working. Let's talk about it. Anytime I got to work with him, I had such a good time because he was also like very talented too. He knew what he was doing, but he also had this sense of, he knew what he was doing so much, which I now like being older can relate to because you just know at a certain point what's going to work once you've done this for so long. And there are surprises sometimes, but yeah, Bendel's, I worked for a couple different things. And then I went to Club Monaco, which very much, again, was, it reminded me a lot of Abercrombie, actually, in the sense that there was one person who was very much in charge and it was his way or the highway. And I was just like over it. I was like, there is just not one way to do this. And also you hired me to be good at what I am actually really good at. And you don't trust me. Like, this is stupid. So I always think if boutique owners knew what it was like in the corporate world, they would savor every second of decision-making they get to make on their own. Because in the corporate world, you don't get that until you're pretty high up. I'd say like probably after, so you were at Bendel's for 17 years? No, 15. 15. 15. Would you say at like your like 13, 14, 15, you got more free reign or like longer than that? Double checks. I think a little longer than that. Once I became the senior, your buyer a lot of times it was just I made decisions I always went to my merchandise manager because we were small we weren't like a club Monaco so that's why I wanted to say like I loved working there for so long and one of the reasons I stayed so long was because it was like having my own little boutique Mm -hmm. and that was super important to me so where I could be nimble and I could be fast I didn't have to wait like a Bloomingdale's or a Bergdorf's or Barney's like down the road like that they had to go through a lot more red tape than I did. I would come up with an idea. I would present them in my meetings or my one-on-ones every week. And we'd be like, yes, no, yes, no. Like we would just kind of 
that was kind of what we did. Okay, go for it. And just you would go. So I would present those ideas. And it was really like, I don't want to say it was casual, but it was very casual. Like it was just like, no, it was very entrepreneurial though. I mean, yes, I feel like, yeah, that's a perfect word. Everyone in the floor, really, we were what half a floor of a building or something. Maybe yeah. a whole floor, but I don't even I think it was just a half a floor. I, eventually when you left, we moved to a different floor in the building okay. Yeah, and we were the whole floor at that point. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I knew everyone on the floor. I knew what they did. I knew if they were married or they had kids or you know the whole deal. Yeah. yeah. You like knew what was up. Like it was very entrepreneurial. It was a very like small business for honestly a business that did a lot of money a year and had a fifth Avenue flagship store. It was pretty lean and nimble. And I think that's the cool part that probably helped you transition to having a boutique. So pretty seamlessly too. I mean, obviously there was a lot you had to learn that those right. other people on the floor did for us. Right. Um, right. It was a quick lesson. Yes. Right. So in terms of the buying and confidence you have, like in what you're buying, like you were good. And you're like, I know this is going to sell or I feel good about this. And that was the easiest part of yeah. starting my own business. Me too. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was the easiest part. I could buy all day long and yep know what works. And obviously, as when I started learning that ideal customer and the product assortment that came with it. Yeah, but and you learn that. But the actual like, what my store was going to look like, I knew right off the bat, even though I'm only online, but I knew in my head what that was going to look like. I think that a lot of people that join boutique land don't realize that there is such a parallel in corporate world called a merchant or a buyer. So like you were a a buyer, which meant you bought third party, much like boutiques do. So you go, you go to a show, you buy. Whereas I come from more of a vertical world where we would literally have designers that were saying, Isaiah, I would go to him and say, okay, so let's like say for dorm, we need three different SKUs of comforter set that we're going to package up. So what do each of those packages look like? Then we need some accessories, like some slippers or robe, whatever. And I would give him the plan and then he would come and have the designs. We would work together to figure out what was going to sell best, what would move around, things like that. And then I would get it made. Like I would go with my product developer and we would get it made or in the US, wherever we make got it made and then buy it and sell it and mark it down and all that jazz. So I think in some ways I was always really jealous of you because I was like, oh, you don't have to get samples and deal with designers. But like you did in your own way because you had to just source from what was available, which I think actually in a certain sense is hard because you can't just make it like I got to. Right. In certain circumstances, we were able to do it in a different color or could we do this just for us? That wasn't all of the time, but yes, I had to source everything. Like what was in the market was my choice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I feel like for you, there are some things that Bendel's did that I kind of feel like brick and mortars could do today as marketing ideas. And one of the things I'm thinking of is street of shops. Oh, Yes. I guess people call this trunk shows also, but yeah, but if you have a brick and mortar, like bringing in other vendors to come and did they charge rent for that? So I feel like you dealt with that more than I did, but if you had a designer and you're like, Hey, I want you to come do, you know, stay for a week or whatever. Did you guys charge or was it just a percentage of sales? Do you remember? We didn't charge, but everything was consignment. Okay. 
So if they were going to pop up into a window, we obviously needed more inventory than what I would normally buy for the store. So they would need to know how much they would need and they would have to bring that in. And and we took the regular markup like we usually did. I think they had to pay if they wanted any extra marketing on it. I don't really remember that part so much, but the inventory part of it, it was that if anything came in, it went back out. But a lot of these pop-up shops became like these big successes. Then they would have a home. (laughs) We graduated. They graduated. (laughs) Like more of a pseudo permanent home. But that, but I should mention also when they had to man the shops, they had to pay for their employees to work the shop. Right. And sometimes it it would be the designer would just be there because they were a one person. Right. Usually those were more of the smaller ones, but the bigger pop-ups, they usually had somebody come in. We called them sales reps. Yeah, yeah. Um, They would be the person that was selling the product. And then if they wanted to do like, a lot of times when they were in the window, they wanted to do like cocktails or something. If they wanted to do that, they had to pay for that. Oh, like they would do mixed drinks or something. If we did, that was very far Uh, few between, but it did happen. But yeah. yeah. Interesting. Do you remember what the consignment split was? For the per vendor? Yeah. It was pretty significant. It would probably be like 70-30. So it was our normal triple markup. So you were doing triple markup even on that? Some people were lower just based on suggested retail, but yeah, like a Chandler was lower. Oh, interesting. But we made that up in other places. Of course. Well, and I think so for you, what shows are you going to now? And what shows did you go to that? Where are you finding your jewelry? Because I feel like I don't think a lot of people understand like quite the connections and the people you've discovered. And you're kind of like a big deal in the New York jewelry scene, even though you'll never talk about it. So I will. But where are you going if someone wanted to source really interesting designer jewelry like where would you direct them and have them go I would go to Coterie if you want more upscale like the New York shows Coterie I now love New York now oh where do they have that show New York it's the they used to call it the gift show it's called New York now is it at the Javits Center yes it's at the Javits Center okay Uh, that's twice a year so there's one in August and then I believe it's in February in the winter, January, February, depending on how the calendar falls. I have, since I've started my own business, I love that show. What's so great about it? I think it's more streamlined a little bit. There's different people that don't do coterie. Sometimes I find more unique people that you would find in like a gift shop, like more unique pieces. Okay. Things like that. I found people that I don't feel like I would have found at Coterie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Coterie is like the same people all of the time, which are a couple of the vendors that I actually carry, but there's a lot of clothing there. So this is all like New York now. There's more people are doing that. Like more jewelry designers are doing New York now. There's more jewelry, gifts, accessories. It's become a little bit like a few more aisles than it used to be. Interesting. So if I had a brick and mortar and my main thing was closed, but I was ready to add a few more departments or maybe want to buy for Valentine's Day or Christmas or holiday season, New York now would be a nice place to find unique gifting stuff. I think so. Yes. But you just have the only thing about that is, is that you have to think about a little bit ahead because it's only twice a year. Where some of the shows are three or four times a year. So that's the only thing. I know in August, you could totally buy for 
Christmas, Valentine's Day. Wow. So you go to one show and get both done. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's interesting because I always think about if I were to start a store again, what I would do, whether it be brick and mortar or online. But I do think there is this kind of lean towards really unique products. And I think like that to me is a lot of why your online boutique works because you aren't selling clothes necessarily. You're really focused on jewelry and you've brought some like kimonos in, which are so cute. And some other, (laughs) they are, they're so beautiful. Are they one size? One size. They fit almost everybody. Great. So they're like jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. Scarves and kimonos do really well for me because of that. There's no sizing. I love that. Well, and I feel like scarves and kimonos are better than shoes because it's the opposite. Right, right. You have right. so many sizes. Right. I also sell jewelry that's a little bit more upscale. So where I'm not buying the $2 wholesale jewelry or right. I'm more buying, I even tried not to buy too much of this, like the $10, but I go like 15 to 20. Yeah. But your pieces are also really nice. And I feel like they're. Thank you pieces that you want for a long time they're not like these quickie junky jewelries no these are some of your stuff and it's they're nice delicate pieces right they're well made they're going to take care of right and for me you know I always talk about building your jewelry box so I want those pieces that you have and you can bring them in and out because I think accessories first of all jewelry and accessories don't have to be complicated they don't you should wear what you wear like what you love. Yep. Doesn't matter what's trending, whatever. And that's what's so much fun about jewelry because things that they just come in and out. Like I pull stuff out of my archive. I call it my archives from years ago that look good right same. now. Same. Yeah, same. And you then know? I have things from years ago that I'm like, ew. Am yeah, I exactly. That, that too. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't ugh. even believe I brought that into Bendel's and oh my God, I can't believe I'm wearing that. Right? Should I even save that for my daughter? Because I, I don't know. It's I know, but cute. I can't part with it either. So. No, never. I have like bins of jewelry. Are you kidding? Yes. And handbags. I just had to clean up my closet and now I just have a bed full of Bendel's dust bags so of funny. like bags and jewelry. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like there's so much benefit when you do have an investment piece, even if it's not over a hundred dollars, like right. even a $75 piece can be an investment piece that you have for a while. I don't know. Do you feel like, I guess the question is, do you feel like there's more opportunity for the average boutique owner to add pieces that are in the price point you're selling where the jewelry does feel like more less throwaway is what I should say. A hundred percent. Because I think sometimes people bring in jewelry and accessories into the boutique just as like an add on at the register. Mm. And I think, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think if you want to green some momentum in another category, adding some really like a few special pieces. And again, this is where you can start small and like three pieces and get a read and get a read. Yeah. And see, because I think people like interesting things. Mm. Like they want to wear things that are different. I agree. Well, different than what they can find other places. I find too, there's there's this little store in Saratoga that I go to called Lola. I shouldn't say they're little. She's a powerhouse. She has two locations. I say little because her assortment is so curated that I love it. And I say little in the way that like, oh my God, I love going in there because there's such a small assortment. It's very easy for me to shop. When I go into stores that are kind of jam-packed, I can't do it. Right. 
Right. I always go into her store and she does pre-love Louis Vuittons and Gucci bags and designer handbags. But then she also carries jewelry and it's beautiful. I've got some pieces similar to what you carry, actually. Similar, like it's delicate and it's right. pretty. And I've gotten some things in there when I'm just like, oh, that's so cute. And then I'm like, how much is this? She's oh, it's like $42. I'm like, oh. These are beautiful earrings for $42. I'll take them. So I do think that it's a nice way if you add some pieces that feel beautiful and unique. You don't have to have a whole wall of necklaces. You can have a really small little corner or even on your website, have things that, you know, is an add-on. And I like to think about it, especially if you have clothing, is what accessories are you wearing with that? What would you wear with that? Yeah. Yeah. I use myself as an example as my customer all the time is that, okay, so I love this pendant, but what am I wearing with it? And, or I love this kimono. So what jewelry am I wearing with that? Right. Am I wearing a long necklace or is it more of an earring? Right. So, and sometimes it's both. Yeah. I can (laughs) get on that. Yeah. Or or a good arm stack, but Mm -hmm. yeah, for summer. Yeah. Uh, But that's, that's also what I do during my Facebook lives. Okay. So I brought in all these beautiful kimonos. So, okay. My customer loves them, but what is she wearing with them? Yeah. Still teaching people. Right. Right. So being a little bit more educational because you'll be surprised. And I learned this at Bendel's also like how much people don't know. Nothing. Even my most stylish friends, I feel like I would put arm stacks together and they would be like, that's so cute. I could never do that. I'm like, what? Like, you're like one of my most stylish friends. You can't put three bracelets together that look cool. And they're like, I don't know. One's good. I don't know if I can do more than one. What? Right. That's so weird. But you're saying this is common. Very common. Even when I was doing all my little pop-ups and, and sipping shops, people would be shopping and they're like, oh, I love that. But I don't know. I don't think I could wear that. I'm like, why can't you wear that? And they were like, well, how would I wear it? And then I show them and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. And then they buy. <laughs> or you should be surprised how many people are intimidated by scarves. Oh, because they don't know how to wrap it. Right. <laughs> or so I always do this once a season, or I do it sometimes more than that. But like every time I do a Facebook live during scarf season, I show everybody like five ways to wear a scarf. Yeah. I used to have people on the truck. So I had a scarf bar in the truck. And I would always make it, I'm sure I learned it from bundles, but I would do it like in color order and I would tie them really cute. And people like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Can I touch it? And I'd be like, chop it, please. But (laughs) the amount of people that I would have, that would be like, do you have like a little like pamphlet or something that tells me how to wear? Like what a good takeaway for you rather than doing like a, hey, follow us on Instagram card. What if you did a takeaway card for everyone that bought a scarf that had, here's two of the most popular ways to tie that scarf and that goes in every bag for someone that yeah buys a scarf or you could even do that with necklace layering like you said stacking bracelets I just feel everyone wants to know how do I give marketing away I guess I'm also just sick of getting the information card and everything I get I know like I'm gonna get emails from you I bought from you give me something cool I like the people that give me stickers but like (laughs) also like give me yeah no I'm totally down with people that give stickers sometimes if I order from the same place I'm always getting the same sticker constantly (laughs) yeah but I will say I do like the people that kind of put fun cards inside their packages and stuff. I think we have to step it up a little bit with some of our educational materials and not just think, oh, I just have to give people my information. I think that's been my biggest thing the past year is how do we educate our customers more? Yes, about how to shop with us, 
but about how to dress and about what makes us excited about this style. And now you're talking about it and I'm like, duh, you're doing this in real time. And you must make so many more sales because you're actually teaching people. Right. Absolutely. I remember doing like that scarf tutorial and then I went to the family wedding and one of my relatives was like, I had no idea you could wear a scarf so many ways. I need to have one. So do you know what I mean? So they really don't know. Or they had all of these like single, like little stretchy bracelets. And when the pandemic happened, I stopped doing seven shops where I used to just put them on a big bracelet bar and everybody would make their own arm stack. So I had to come up with a way when I was like strictly online, like how am I going to sell these single bracelets? Because they don't look like anything online. Right. Right. So I started making, I called them limited edition bracelet sets every month during the summer. limited edition ones yeah so basically that makes them even more desirable exactly so basically I threw the bracelets on my desk and I just made fun arm stacks like probably usually threes like sets of threes yeah um sometimes I did two based on the price yeah and (laughs) I took the wholesales all of them and then marked them up to retail and then I did these limited edition and there was one of them only one of them because because that's I just used what I had and I moved through so many bracelets last summer because People were like, oh, wow, that's fun. I wouldn't even think to wear them like that. And also giving them the option to inspire them if they wanted to go on the site and just pick their own. If they didn't want three, maybe they just wanted one to add into something else. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. People are like, wow, I love that. I love that. And I always talk to you about my sweet spots about $50, but always getting them to that threshold a little bit. Like some of those bracelet sets were over $100. Wow. Like 70, 98 or one of them was like 125, but just because based on the different wholesales of the bracelets. Yeah. You were like mixing and matching. Yeah. Yeah, So I love that. Well, and one thing you could also do, you could back and end. So my brain goes to, okay, how do you recreate that this summer area? And I'm like, okay, so you go back, you look at your sales history. What was the sweet spot of what you sold? Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's say it was $58 for two. Okay. Can you create, well, I wish it was higher. Let's say it's 78. I would say the sweet spot there was 78 and it was for three. There you go. Okay. So for 78, you have three, then let's say 58 for two and let's say 98 also for three, but maybe one is like really special. Yeah. Like sparkly extra. Right. 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 And so then how do you go out and buy it like that? That's where my brain goes. Okay. This worked for you last summer. Now let's recreate it. But let's be intentional about how we buy into it. Right. Let's buy sets. it appropriately. Right. Make the sets when I'm at market. Instead yes. of, I was just trying to move through inventory that I had that kind of just was sitting because Which I wasn't great. doing these in person. And it was one of those things like, if it doesn't work, oh well. <laughs> yeah. Like I own the inventory anyway. Who cares? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I cleared out so much, which was amazing. So yeah, I love that idea. That's a great idea to go to market and just be like, okay, these are the things that I'm going to buy because I'm going to make this limited edition bracelet set and I'm going to make this one. I love that idea. So now my head, my head's spinning right now, right? I know, of course. Well, and I'm sitting here being like, okay, so don't forget that the way you weight that buy too, right? So right. we know you're going to get 3X on everything just mm-hmm. about. Maybe you're going to get 2.7 on some of it. But yeah, yeah. $78, let's say... Over the course of last year, you sold 20 of those. Okay. A two-month time frame, you sold 20 sacks. All right. So my head goes to, all right, this year, let's say you're going to sell 25 of them because, you know, we want to grow your sales. Right. And this year, you're stepping into it intentionally. So maybe the sacks are going to be even better because it's not just like what you have around. You have like, you can assort from whatever. So, okay. Out of 20, let's say, let's say out of 25, you, 15 of those are going to be at that $78 price point. 
And then you do five at 38 or sorry, 58 right. and five at 98 or seven and five, seven and five or so, something right. like that, right. where you're also buying. And I think this is, it's fun to talk through this with you because I think a lot of people aren't thinking in this thought process that we're like talking out where it's, okay, well, what worked? Great. How do we recreate it? Great. And then how do we buy it appropriately? Because we know 78 is a sweet spot. So let's buy that. The more buy more units. 100%. Of that, those yeah. sets, right? So, and I know you would do that. I'm just right. talking it out for everyone else. But this is why product assortment is so freaking important. And this right. is why analyzing your sales is so important because we just did a really nice exercise of, hey, that's something that worked. And now you're like, wait, crap, I should do that again this year because it worked. And it's so funny. I'm glad that I brought that up because I've been dragging my feet on it because I was like, how am I going to do this differently than last year? And people are going to get excited about it. Like, I haven't done it yet. No, you know? I hear you. I hear but- you. Well, my other question for you is, do you have the pictures of the ones you did last year or so? I do. They're on my computer. And it's funny because all the neutral ones sold immediately. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. And then there was like a couple that were like more of that army color, that army green. Like that was a good one. Yeah. I did it through June all the way through October because then it got into holiday and I was like, I can't be changing these bracelets out. So, and then I'm going to say, I'm going to bring it back. And I just have been kind of dragging my feet a little bit <laughs> because I just didn't know how I wanted to do it. That would feel exciting again. Yeah. Uh, but well, I like this idea. I like the idea of you doing what's the new neutral this year. Right. So and yeah, all the neutrals, like the neutral stones and the neutral metals, the metals I always consider neutral, but yeah, yeah, like mixing the metals. Those did well too. People like that. People don't realize they can mix metals. They're afraid. So afraid. Oh, this is silver. So it all has to be silver. Like what? No. Why? (laughs) Not interesting. That's not exciting. No. I'm like, mix it up. I love mixing it up. The more mix, the better. (laughs) I feel like we're walking through the product assortment section of Boutique Basics Bootcamp. Totally. But you guys, this is what we teach because this is what we love. And this is how retail works, right? So like you're saying neutrals work. But I would also challenge you because obviously neutral is your basic, right? What's the fashion version for this year? Is it neon stones? Is it, I don't even know what's trending in jewelry. That's not a question to ask me, but you know, like what is working that would be like your fashion version and you buy that in a small way. Right. So right now for summer, a lot of multicolor. Oh, fun. So like like rainbow multicolor? They look like rainbow, but it's not. Oh, you remember we went through that rainbow phase? Yes, of course. It's not that. It's stones that are feeling like mixed, mixed colors. I have a bracelet set right now that's just beautiful summer colors that are just like there's lapis, there's turquoise, there's those reds, those green, like those really Mm. summer colors, like just mixing different stones. And then you have a lot of those bright, the bright colors that I would more call rainbow, but they're not rainbow. But like really saturated, true. A true blue, a true red, a true yellow. Right. And right now there's a big trend and I just got some in too, that there's the semi-precious, there's a couple of semi-precious and fine jewelry designers doing these. They almost look like those candy necklaces, but they're still real stones and they're expensive, but (laughs) of course, and they're gorgeous because they're so cool. They're gorgeous. They're executed so well. Yeah. And the semi-precious, it's probably like 400 retail. 
I'm lowballing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty. And one of my designers, Amy Max, just did them. And I think they're dyed jade. I have to actually ask her because I'm about to put them on my site. They're not semi-precious, but they're all these gorgeous colors. They're sitting on my desk. I'm staring at them. They're gorgeous. And they're just beautiful. And they're all, she did three different sizes. So I wouldn't do the biggest beaded size because it would look with all three of them. But the other two sizes together, it looks like a candy rope necklace around your neck. Are the stone sizes vary? So some are bigger sizes and some are like more so like seed bead size? Th- there's the small size and the millimeter of the rondelle is like eight millimeter. And mm-hmm. then the medium is 10 millimeter. And then the big chunky one is a little bit bigger. And they, she did different length sizes. Oh, fun. Good layer. Too. Yes. So the two, the small and the medium, I had them on the other day. And I was like, oh my God, I love them so much. They look like I'm wearing candy on my neck and they're stones. That's so cute though. Well, and I keep getting the feedback. Everyone's like, you always wear black, Emily, which is not true. I don't always it's wear black. It's not true. No, it's, it's not. True. But part of the reason I love wearing black is because like Ariane, I was always an accessories merchant. So I like to accessorize with fun, like with a really bright color handbag or really fun pop color earrings or, you know what I mean? I feel like that's where I get excited about things. Like to me, clothes, yes, clothes can be fun. To me, accessories make things way more fun. That's where I get excited. Yeah. I'm a pretty simple dresser. And then I just love like with my clothing and I love adding my accessories, whether it's a giant earring, an arm stack, a necklace, whatever it is, because that's what people, I think that's what people notice first too. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Unless you're wearing some outfit that's like absolutely wild or something. I mean, we were at a alumni event for my husband's high school this weekend and the this woman was like so beautiful but she was just wearing a navy blue tank top with a flutter sleeve a white denim and then she had these shoes on that were like yellow the like fabric was like yellow blue white and they had these big kind of bows they were like slides oh my gosh so fun Right. I was like, oh my God, your shoes. Right. But like that just made the outfit. Right. Tell me what you're thinking about headbands because I'm getting a lot of Instagram ads for Lele. How do I say her name? Oh, I never say it right. So I'm like, (laughs) okay. Lele Sadoki. Yeah. That's how I say it. Okay. So there's her and then there's a couple other headband people, which I don't know who they are, but Are we feeling like headbands are still trending? I feel like we're on the downswing of them. But I feel like that too, but I keep seeing everybody wearing them. I'm getting them also in ads. And I I feel like it's been this trend that came out. And then people are still really wearing those big headbands. Some of the influencers I follow, they're still wearing them. I'm really getting excited about them. And they're doing them in different fabrications for the summer. So I also kind of felt it was on the downtrend, but maybe it's just becoming a staple. You know what? That could be it. Because also, let's be honest, we saw headbands trend way back when Gossip Girl was happening. So we've also now been through this cycle twice at our age. Yes, for sure. Yeah. We're expecting it probably to go away because it did go away. Yeah. But then it's been back now for a couple seasons now. And people still wearing them. And I think they're cute. I think they're super cute, actually. I don't wear headbands, but I always want to be the person that wears the headband, but I don't, I look like I'm five. <laughs> okay. Yes. Agreed. I also wore a lot of headbands when I was young. I think every school picture from like third grade to seventh grade, I'm wearing a headband and it makes me feel like I'm in 
fourth grade again where right. I would love I like loved headbands it's probably why I ended up getting into accessories like little did we know <laughs> right. I was only trying to wear headbands and back then they were like nothing it was just the color or the print there was nothing special about them the way they are now I even I stumbled upon someone who takes designer scarves and cuts them up which feels like sacrilegious yeah totally like this woman's crazy <laughs> but she sells them headbands for hundred to two hundred dollars. That's amazing. But it's like a Gucci scarf or a mess scarf, or, and they're beautiful. She does like a beautiful job, and they're all, of course, like limited edition. And but yeah, it's a really interesting. So that'll be one to watch too. I think headbands are a nice addition as well. They'll like add into your store in a small way. And there's actually you don't have to go the more expensive designer route. I feel like I've seen good headbands at some of the like fast fashion accessory places like Ab- old Stella or whatever. Absolutely. I've seen some really good ones at market that are not expensive. And yeah. again, like fast fashion, I think that's a category that if you find a good one, like that's where I would do the fast fashion, like the low price point, just because it's a fun in and out item. Yes. Yes. So it's interesting. I think so many people don't think about accessories as like a viable revenue stream for their business. I think like you're always thinking about tops, bottoms, dresses, right? But then like you think about how many different kinds of accessories you could bring in. I'm a big fan of stores, especially if you have a brick and mortar. I'm a big fan of doing a little bit. So like a lot of breath in accessories as like a whole. So rather than saying, I'm going to carry like a big assortment of handbags, saying, okay, I'm going to stand for these, a backpack and a tote. And that's going to be my season, a beach bag for the summer and a cool backpack for the mom on the go. And then in jewelry, like I'm only going to carry this one designer stuff. I feel like you can really cherry pick accessories so that they add revenue, they add excitement, and it's just such a good upsell. I think accessories, like I said, it's always one of those things that sometimes people think as an afterthought, Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. No, it's a huge revenue driver. And that's the thing is if we look at what happened with Bendel's just when you and I were there, and I want to say for a good two years and all before that, they had clothes. Like they had a cashmere collection. They sold day of them first. Oh yeah. They had a ton of clothes, like two floors. Yeah. That's how the street of of shops started. When I first started there, it was four floors. Accessories was a small and it was in, I think it was 2000. 11 is when we switched over to all accessories and cosmetics. No, it was sooner than that because I was gone by then. I think it was like 2009. Yes, you're right. You're right. There was another change yeah. in 2011 right after. Yeah, yeah. I, I was there in 2009. Yeah, because yeah. I was totally sitting in that room where they were like, some people are going to leave and some people are going to stay. And I was like 26 or 26. I mean, I was like so young when I worked yeah. there. You just, you don't know what you don't know when you're that yeah. young and you're working for these big companies and imagine being brought into like the conference room where like you're used to having like vendor meetings design meetings and they're like so today is like a hard day for the company and we're gonna be really splitting things up and letting like some people go and you're like wait how is this even possible that this is happening where did you know that was gonna happen were you 100 percent no okay like you were high up at that point too i was like what's happening but you know it always was funny because you could see something was gonna happen because it was like there was like weird tension in the office. People like, got weird. Yeah. Cause yeah. it was a small office that you could feel the energy. You could feel the energy. Uh, yeah. And so you, everybody's in this room and they're like, some people are going to lose their job. And you're like, Oh gosh, <laughs> I was going to pee my pants. I was like, 
Yeah. Okay. What am I going to do? That's, oh God. But yeah, those meetings are hard. Well, and honestly, now being an entrepreneur and not giving a crap, I feel like those meetings in hindsight, one made me like, I say to all my friends that work for a company, I'm like, they don't care about you. They will bring you in a room and they will get rid of you tomorrow if Mm -hmm. they have to. Two, on your own, you have complete control of your destiny. There is no one that can bring you in and say, Hey, this isn't working out. Cause like, that happened to me when I was at Delia's. They yeah. were like, yeah, we just don't think that you're working out. And I was like, excuse me, what? I'm brilliant. I'm so good at this. And they were like, right. we don't agree. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, they went out of business like t- a year later. But you know, a little they, bit of they a blessing. Their, but... They have their other problems. I was, right. in hindsight, again, I was like, not the problem. But right. <laughs> no, it's just, I think that you and I have both experienced now being entrepreneurs, working with so many boutique owners, it is just such a nice life. Yes, it is stressful. Yes, it has its hard days. Yes, we're concerned about sales. And we also know mindset kind of clears up a lot of that stuff. Yes, absolutely. And at the same time, I wouldn't trade it for the world, would you? No, I used to sit in my corporate life and be like, I always wanted to be a boutique owner. Never knew how I was going to do it. And I sat in my corporate life like, I want to be home with my kids. I want, or kid at the time, now too. But I was like, I want to be home. I don't want to miss out on the stuff. I don't want to be doing this every time. And then when it was the time when they did finally restructure and I ended up leaving, I remember going on an interview and I was sitting, it was a big retailer (laughs) and I was sitting there and the person in HR was like, what do you, where do you see yourself in five years? And I came out with an answer and it was like, I had an out of body of experience because when I walked out, I'm like, that is definitely not what you want to do with your life. What are you talking about? And that was the last interview I went on. That cracks me up because after I left Delia's, <laughs> the same thing happened where I was sitting interviewing with anthropology because they were going to open accessory stores. And they were like, we love your accessories background. I did a project for them, design an assortment or something of accessories that I thought would sell. So I was in there like presenting my project. And the whole time I was sitting there being like, this is bull. I don't want to be doing this. I don't care about this woman. And it had nothing to do with that company. I was just at a point in my life where I was like, are you kidding? I don't want to do this anymore. It's such a joke. I'm just fooling myself at this point. I'm so unhappy. And I said to myself, I said to Pete, actually, I said, I just spent the last 15 years building a very big business. And I don't want to do that again, unless it's for me. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm like, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Well, no, because you get none of the glory. Like, do you get bonuses? Yeah, of course. But you're, it's still never like Ariane's jewel box. It's still (laughs) Bendel's jewelry floor. Yeah. Yeah. Like your name's not on the door. Right, right. So I was like, no. And and it wasn't an immediate thing to start my business. I just started consulting a little bit. And then all of a sudden it was just like, it happened. And in a way that I never could have imagined either. So that's really important for people to know that your boutique journey could start in a way that you never think would happen. It doesn't have to be a brick and mortar. It can be online. It could be, might start as pop-ups, just doing pop-ups in people's houses. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if I would have... I know for sure I would not have a brick and mortar again that I was ever in. I might have a brick and mortar, but I would hire managers and right. I would never be in it because I that's not 
for me. It's not how my brain works, but like, you better believe we live down the street from the farmer's market. And I'm like, Oh, what could I like make and sell there? (laughs) Cause like it's once a week for a few hours. I'm like, Oh, could I grow like flowers in our garden and sell bouquets? And I'm telling Greg, I'm like, Greg, I kind of want to go to Goodwill and fix up furniture and sell it at the farmer's market. And he's like, Emily, you're kind of busy for that. (laughs) (laughs) You have to tend to your garden. Right. Oh my, I do tend to my garden area and I have a landscaper that helps me because God knows I don't even have tools. I went and bought roses. I don't have a shovel because we just bought this house. That's so funny. Yeah, I called the landscaper and I was like, hi, we need to chat. We need you to do more than just mow the lawn. Right. But no, that's the thing is I do. Well, and that goes to like asking for support. And yeah. I think that's the other piece of it is you can have these big dreams and you can have these things that you want to do and like reaching out to the people that can help you and leaning on whether it's, it is your husband, Pete, Hey, I need you to watch the kids while I work on my business. Or I think there's a lot that you have gone through. This is why I love that you're on my team because Hey, when I went on maternity leave, you're like, whatever you need, I'm here. And I'll just take, you go into labor. I'm ready. Let's go. And I'm like, Oh my God trust you but also like you and I have both just been through all of it we've been through the corporate world we've been through owning our boutiques you still have your boutique like we know what it's like for you that's listening from all the different angles yeah we do have to lean on our spouses yeah we do have kids but you know there's a lot of things that make running a boutique difficult and I think that's where you and I when we're on coaching calls and we're in our group when we're in the programs like six figure blueprint and boutique basics that's where you and I try to be very human about it because we're like we've done this and I don't know about you but I remember our CEO would say to me Emily I'd never tell you to do something that I wouldn't do myself or I haven't done myself and I take that very seriously now as a consultant I would never tell someone else to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Right. Right. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I think a lot of times we're talking from experience, like you said, that we've been in this. And at the end of the day, I remember a long time ago, I was an assistant buyer and the president of the company at the time, somebody had pulled a line from us, like a big vendor from us. And I remember he's like, we're not crying over handbags right now. (laughs) So it was kind of like, at the end of the day, it's just merchandise. Life is so much bigger than that. Right. So to be happy doing your boutique business and enjoying your family and or enjoying the things that you love to do, I think that shouldn't be lost on you. You can have this special life, this the life that you dream of. Yep. Yep. And if the life that you dream of means that for a little while you do work a nine to five, you do nanny. Right. Both of us started our boutiques and we were, I was nannying, I was refereeing volleyball at night. I was doing pop-ups on the weekend. I would wake up at 5.30 every morning and drive over and nanny from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. These two little girls, four days a week while I was starting the fashion truck like all summer. And so it's not lost on us either that we didn't just like magically fall into having boutiques that that was the only thing we did. It's taken us a while to get there. So I think that's the other thing too, is like, it doesn't have to be this overnight thing. If you take the stress off of it and say, listen, I might have to juggle and I might have to manage a few things. Luckily women are pretty good at that. If you're a dude, you're probably good at it too. But I think women are uniquely built to be able to handle seven things at once. Right. Um, we've been there too. You were still doing your visual merchandising job, right? Yeah. For, 
What was it for Dick Sporting or North Face? I was the North Face merchandiser, but at Dick Sporting Goods in, across the river. It's one of their bigger stores. Like it was a huge outpost there, but it was like a whole square was North Face. <sighs> Got it. Yeah. Like a shop and shop. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. And then there was kids, which was like a little bit, but there was that. And I was doing that and I was like changing mannequins and I was like, wow, <laughs> I was like, we got to get out of here. But I didn't hate it. You know what? Nobody yeah. talked to me. I did my thing. You know what I mean? It just, it was manual. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like physical labor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to do that when you're starting yeah. out and there's no shame. Honestly, there's no shame in the hustle game. Like to no. me, it's, if you want to have a business, any kind of business. I don't care who you are. If you want to have a business and have it be your full-time job as an entrepreneur, it's just not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to put in some time. You're going to have to put in some energy and there's nothing wrong with that. I actually think, I think it always made me appreciate when I did get to the point where it was like my full-time when I was supporting myself and I still somehow support myself, but no, like really, I still look every day and I'm like, God, like this morning is Monday morning. And I woke up and I'm like, wow, my baby's sleeping. I'm having coffee and I don't have to be anywhere. Once you get to that point, it is just very satisfying and savoring that. I think that's the other thing is I think a lot of people who are at the point where they're making 10K, 20K, 100K a month, they're not really taking the time to just enjoy it and savor it. And that's one of my biggest things is I was just at Nashville market and I saw some pretty big, they're like big in the boutique world people and their energy just felt so stressed. Oh, I got to make this money. We got to do this live. We got to do that. And I was just like, oof. like I had to physically move away from them because I just was like, oh my God, I feel like they're going to burst into flames any second. <laughs> but I was like, I hope they take time off. I hope they slow down a little bit and just enjoy and savor what they've built. Because I, I also think there's, and there's enough people probably that listen to this podcast where you do always feel like there's something else more. And I think you're really good at being like, I'm good where I am. And I'm really proud of what I built, regardless of where you're at. There's no timeline. I was going to say, there's no timeline on it. Everybody thinks that they have to hit the ground running and they have to make 100K, like the first right. year. Right. And, and first of all, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. The people sometimes that you hear do that, you have to kind of check back and see if they're still around. Are they still breathing? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, and this is, this goes back to mindset. And I think this is what I've learned from you taking these courses when I first started that it's okay that you have to stop working at two o'clock because you have to pick your kids up at school. It's okay that you, if you don't feel like working today and you want to focus on your family, you know what I mean? And some days are harder than others to be like, okay, that's cool. Right. I think I just said this to you at the retreat. Some days I get a little, ah, should I be doing this? Ah, but it's okay. It's okay. There's no timeline. Who said I had to be expert like here by five years in? You know what I mean? I'm steadily building my business every year, steadily doing things differently every year and doing things and growing. And at the same time, I'm enjoying my kids because they're little only once. Yeah. And I think that's what's really important. I will tell you, you said that whole thing about being in Nashville and you felt like you had to walk away because you thought people were going to explode. Yeah. When I walk through market now, people tell me how happy I am. Oh my you God. So I love that. It looks so chill. It's amazing. You look amazing. Oh my gosh. Because I used to go through market like with 25 people with me, but like ready to explode. Yeah. Because we have to get through market because we have to go here and we have to go here and we have to go here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And again, 
we're not crying over handbags. Like, I just, I think that, yeah, it's interesting. The more I hang out in boutique land, the more I think about what my purpose is in boutique land, the more I just really want people to be happy. I really want them to be calm and confident and feel like a really big responsibility to do both. Show people that they should trust their numbers and they should look at data. And and because they do that, it's going to make them feel more calm. I think a lot of people's anxiety comes from just really not knowing their business as well as they could because they don't really have the tools or the knowledge or the understanding of how to do that. And I think that's what you and I really try to bring to our programs is, hey, get to know your business. It's like one of your kids. Okay. You just birthed this kid and okay. Yeah. They're kind of like you and your partner, but are they? Cause you can't control that kid. You don't know what they're going to be like. Like my kid's napping for 30 minutes at a time right now. Other people might think, oh, that's horrible. I'm like, great. She's sleeping. Like whatever. Right. (laughs) She wakes up happy. That's all I care about. So I think that's the other thing too, is just realizing that your business is going to be like, if you've had kids is going to be like another kid and that it's going to take time and energy to nurture. And it's going to grow and exist in ways that you can't always control, but you're going to hang out with that business and you're going to get to know it. You're going to get to love it. And you're going to get to see intuitively too, at a certain point, Oh, interesting. You're saying, I know I needed to do those stacks, those bracelet stacks that I did last summer. Intuitively, you knew that. Right. And also until we just finally talked it out, you were like, I didn't know how to like approach it. Right. So I think that's the other thing, like with parenting for me, intuitively, I know X, Y, and Z. And then you better believe I'm reading, but I just ordered another (laughs) book about how to raise a confident kid. Okay. Let me see if there's anything new in it. I was like, I'm certainly didn't go to school for this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I think that's a really nice balance of like intuition, data, confidence, and just being happy. I think the happier you are in your business, the better it is. Even if it's not making you more money, you're at least calmer and happier. Right. You're going out on your own to do your own business for a reason because you want to be happy. So if you're in your business and you're miserable, why are you doing it? Yeah. Yes. Why? Exactly. And if you've gotten off track and you're like, but I used to be happy or things right. used to be easier. What set you, what happened right. that made you not? Is it because you have expectations that aren't being met? Is it because you had, you know, there's so many people lately that are like, oh, my sales are down to what? Your expectations to last year, to last month, to where you're trying, to what? What are sales down to? Right. And I think a lot of people don't, it's like, well, I said every month I want to make $5,000 and this month I'm not. Well, but where does that come from? What's that based on? Is it based in reality? Is that based in a proper sales projection? Most likely it's not. So let's take the expectation away a little bit. Right. Do you have the enough inventory to do 5000 That too. <laughs> do you have the right inventory to do 5000 Yeah, there's a lot more to that. It's like the expectation, but like you said, where did it come from? Yes. What's the I mean, numbers behind that? Yes. I need to write an entire post about this because I, I yes. just see this like really rampant as we're recording this. I've just seen a lot and other oh, sales are down. But again, like to what? Like what's the expectation about what your sales should be and who told you that? And on the other side of that, that, okay, so maybe they dipped a little bit. Okay. So why? Right. Think about it. Are you spending less time in your store? Which that's okay if you are. Do you have too much inventory? That's not the correct inventory to have in your store. Are you sold out of something? There's so many factors to why you're down. 
Yes. And you know what? I hear that. So I'll see in groups a lot. Last month was my best month ever. And this month I'm not trending to do that. And I guarantee you don't have the inventory that hit last month. Right. This month. I guarantee that's what it is because why wouldn't you? Like, right. <laughs> if you right. have good inventory, you will sell it period. That's, I don't know. When is that ever not true? If you have right. good inventory, you'll sell it period. End of story. Right. Marianne, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. I know. I We're going to have you on more. Andrea and I were talking about it and I was like, Marianne just like, has so much to say and you, you're just so smart. And so the other thing too, that if you're listening, you should know Arianne is a big part of my company. She's a big part of Boutique Training Academy. She is now going to be doing coaching calls and in all of our courses. So she had previously just been doing bootcamp and blueprint. Now she's going to be doing stuff in our mastermind too, which I'm so psyched about because as you can tell, I'm so excited. You're just, you're exactly like what we need. And yeah, so I'm really excited because Ariane, as you can see, is just a wealth of knowledge and such good ideas. And she's on the ground doing it like you guys are. So there's like a lot of benefit to that. So if you did love this conversation, you like what you're hearing from us, please consider getting on a call with us about potentially signing up for a course, whether that's six figure blueprint mastermind or bootcamp, we're going to put a link in the show notes where you can sign up for a call with one of us to talk through that. What might be your next step? Do you want support? Is that a place where you feel like you want to be held and supported and given ideas and ask these questions, right? And then given the tools to figure it out, not just ask the questions, but also let's talk through this and here's how you pull your numbers. Here's where to look for that. So yeah, I'm really excited to have more people join our courses of course of the next year. So we're going to be opening up our courses so that they're available to you guys all the time to sign up. So you don't have to wait anymore for six months or three months or whatever. You can sign up for a course tomorrow and get started tomorrow or today if you're listening and it's early enough. So thank you so much, Ariane. I'm really excited and we'll have you back on really soon. All right. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Booster Beauty Podcast. As always, here's to making lots of friends and making lots of money. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Boost Your Boutique Podcast. If you wouldn't mind taking a second to go ahead and scroll down if you're on the Apple Podcast or Spotify and leaving us a quick rating and review. We would really appreciate it. It helps more amazing boutique CEOs just like you find this podcast and this incredible free resource. Thanks again for listening and we will see you in a few weeks.